You're listening to Snowbound with Rick Lyons in Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. Rick's joining us from somewhere in Montana, I assume. Is that correct, Rick? Yeah, I'm actually I'm I'm back home at Whitefish right now. I just got back from uh, spending a uh, weekend down in the Bozeman area, skiing at Bridger Bowl and the Yellowstone Club. Well, and you have posted some gorgeous pictures. Looked like you had amazing weather. Oh, it was so deep blue. It was just amazing. It was just gorgeous. Yeah. So let's. Really yeah. What What do you do when you get away from? kind of your home mountain, you're out just playing. Uh, is that especially fun for you to get away and, and just go rip it up? Well, you know, I, I try to get away and rip it up where, where, wherever I am. But uh, this was, it was really special, actually. I had spent some time with my family, my brother, who is a teacher at Bridger Bowl, and, and his daughter, who just passed her level two, uh, just a... a Three weeks ago, actually, um, and so there's the next generation of lions teachers out there, and then his other daughter, who's just a ripping fun skier to go out play with. And so we just we had a great time at a you know a number of great areas. Just had a, it was it was really fun, and, and it was it was still training, right? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, you've got the big tryout coming up, and I guess what uh, I was getting at is, are you able to go out and just let go and and let form and thinking about doing this correctly out of your head uh yeah i i i try to do that a lot actually the the, the more that i can and, and I've, I've been playing with just music a lot lately if i get a song in my head then i just ski with the song versus trying to think about something too much but in all reality i try to choose songs that help a particular thing I need to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> so you try, but you can't quite get the teacher out. <laughs> can't quite, right? But there's, there's, you know, the the more, I mean, your body knows, when you've been doing it for a long time, your body knows how to move. If you stop thinking of it up front, it becomes less robotic. Uh, and you, you get to actually, you know, move and, and, and flow cleanly. Um, so it's it's a it's a good way to kind of, you, you do need to turn the, the front of the mind off, like the conscious part off, and get it to, to go in the, the other aspects. But it does know how to move. Let it move how it knows. And I think that's funny because often when you're riding up the chair, you or any of us, and you look around, I, those of us with a teaching background anyway, it's so easy sometimes to look out and just go, oh, there's an instructor. Yeah, that's true. Yep. You, you sit there and you, yeah, I was, I was noticing instructors all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what PSIA is going to think of this one, but I often tell my classes when we're doing a race clinic or, or whatever, don't ski like an instructor. You gotta let loose. Right. No, don't don't stop and stand around and talk about it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, what I'd really like to get into with you today are I don't even like to call them new skis anymore because uh cheat skis really changed what, fifteen years ago? Uh, fifteen, twenty years ago. Yeah. In nineteen ninety seven I was playing with Elon Clown Fleet. Whatever you wanted to call them, yeah. Why is it 
that I hear so many times in lessons, uh, people saying, you know, gosh, this is the first time I've really felt why I have these new skis. Um, because they ski with kind of a locked together position and, and people really haven't been using the skis the way they're designed to be used. Is that true? Would you agree with that at all? I, you know, I would say that there, there are a, a number of people that have been or used to skiing on a traditional ski, what would you call an older traditional ski, less side cut, that, that have built uh, movement patterns where they, they try to use both feet simultaneously together. Um, and when you're so used to working both feet as a unit, it's harder to start to get that that ability to tip the ski and get the performance out of the ski. Uh, it's a pretty unfamiliar space. And so that's where, you know, a lot of times we're out there coaching to open the stance up to be able to free up the ability to move laterally. Uh, to allow the ski to tip on the edge and actually find the performance in the tool. And why, after 15, 20 years of the new ski design, is that old form still seen by so many as, that's the way I want to look, the Stein Erickson turn? Oh, it's elegant, man. You can't deny that it's just elegant looking. But uh, but if you sit there and you watch Michaela Schifrin ski, and you go, that's the way I want to ski, that is not, that's not the narrow stance. But what you do have is it's not a super wide stance. It's just a functional uh, stance to be able to, to allow the, the knees and ankles to tip to a level and then to start to let the leg length change as well. And so a lot of times you'll see, like in a slalom skier, it seems like a wide stance, but if you look at it, the inside leg is, is tucked up in tight underneath and the outside leg is, is more extended. and so. It gives a wide appearance, but the spacing between the skis is still really just hip width apart. But the distance between them, because of the the leg length difference, is a little bit more significant. Do you feel that stance is almost scary for some people, or for many people, because we often forget about the inside leg? It's it. Uh, it could be scary. I mean, it does. Yeah, that's a good question, George. It's, you know, I think a lot of it is, is just really you're so used to feeling pressure on both feet a little bit more equally with the, with those other skis a lot of times, especially in softer snow conditions. When we were running skis that were 65 underfoot and a 207 centimeters long, right, and you get into powder, you, you had to kind of make them into a single platform to stay somewhat up in the snow and not feel like you're going to just submerge completely. Um, and now you've got, you know, wider underfoot skis and you get a little bit more shape to them and to be able to get them to go around, you open that stance up, but now you, that platform isn't as big and you feel like you might be sinking into things. Well, and if you've got 122 underfoot, uh, you can't get your feet together. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, some of the things that, you know, one of the things that shape skis have really brought out is, Dance issues with whether you're, you know, bow-legged or knock knee. So if you have a, a pronation or a supination of your feet, and it's gonna, it's gonna change that ski as soon as it's put on a little bit of edge is gonna try to start to make some sort of a turn. And so, if your feet are, if you tend to be, um, well, if you tend to be 
on your inside, on your, you know, pronated, they're going to want to, those edges, the inside edges are going to grab, they're going to drive those keys closer to each other. Does that make sense? Yes. Right? And so a lot of times, you know, a pronated, the answer is pronated foot will, will drive a narrow stance. Ah, interesting. I had never thought of that. And so you get you get a you get a pronated skier, and you're going to see the feet come closer together because that's where the ski starts to get flat, and they can start to twist it and pivot it. Otherwise, it's sitting. You know, you send it out hip width apart, and now it's on the inside edges, and it wants to basically the ski wants to arc towards each other. Now you mentioned something that uh, I researched a little bit before we uh, had our phone call here. And that is that there is some possibility or the question is out there that the wider skis actually might be causing some physical issues in people. There, there, yeah. It's, I was reading an article by a professor from Montana State University of all places um, that is investigating the, the width of skis and its relationship to knee pain. And more specifically, when you get wide skis greater than, you know, 90 underfoot uh, that, and on hard snow, that's when you start to feel pain. Um, and there's, you know, biomechanically, there's some, there's some validity to that. There, the, the edge is further away from under the foot, and so to try to tip that ski up onto an edge to create some sort of a carve you have to roll the knee over a little bit harder and you might torque that joint a little bit more effectively and, and cause some tendonitis of some sort. And one of the articles I read said there really shouldn't be kind of the the uh, ski that we're, we're leaning toward, which is that one ski quiver, the all-mountain ski, which is good in deep snow and crud and groomed. Um, because it was specifically pointing out that the wider skis on groomed um, could be p- causing some issues. There was no scientific data yet, but some research studies were starting. Yeah, that's that's what I'm seeing as well. And you know, and I I've skied a lot of fat skis, and and most of the time I'm skiing inbounds. I don't do a lot of, of backcountry skiing myself. Um, and the fat skis that I've skied on, once once you get in that most ski areas. The train gets the, the you know the the big deep powder all disappears in a couple hours, right? Right. Back in, in Oregon, at Mount Hood, I mean, you could basically count for one chair ride before the bowls are completely shredded <laughs> on a on a you know those twelve inch days. And so when you're out there skiing the cutoff stuff, I kind of liken it to if you have a flat bottom boat in rough water. You feel every single wave. And when you have a big, fat ski with a lot of bumpy terrain, you feel about every bump being pounded back up through your feet. (laughs) (laughs) So sometimes they aren't all that comfortable. Now, there's there's a lot of people that swear by them, and and I'm not going to dish them as far as they they like it. I I definitely, I've been running a narrower ski uh, more predominantly, the widest ski that I own in my quiver right now is a Blizzard Brahma, an eight, an eighty-eight underfoot ski, and, and that's a phenomenal ski, and it still can, you know, eighty-eight gets me through a lot of the deep pow and everything else that I want to do. Yet it still performs on the hard pack really well, uh, and goes from there. 
And I'm hearing other instructors making recommendations to a lot of their clients that, you know, if you want to get a little bit more ski performance and, and, and feel that a little bit more frequently, then getting away from the 120 foot under ski, uh, 120 millimeters under your foot ski, that they get into something in the 80s or so and people are having more success at being able to use the performance of the ski. Yeah, I'm on an 86 right now, which I really like, um, but I'm thinking of going narrower again, just because I don't know, I really like the narrow underfoot. Right. Well, it's when you, the, the narrower it is, the closer the edge is underneath to your boot, and it feels a lot more like, if you're starting to get into carving and arcing, it feels more like an ice skate. Feel like the blade is right underneath your foot. When you go wider, that edge is further offset to the side, and it takes more effort to get that to engage. Um, I've been skiing predominantly a 70 underfoot ski this season, um, and I love it. It works everywhere. Now, it's a little bit more painful when you get into the deep in a chunk. It'll, it'll dive deeper, and um, you've got to be a little bit more on top of your game. It's not as forgiving there. Uh, with that 88 bomb, it just rocks and that stuff. But. Now, you've gone to Blizzard. I really associated you with another ski brand because you were with them for so long. Why the I, switch? I was, with, I was with, yeah, I was with the other the other guys. And, and that's a great ski. Rosigal is a great ski. Um, uh, and I was with them for 23 years. Uh, but it was actually, you know, part of it started out as a budgetary thing. They... They were backing off on, on what they were doing for sponsorships and whatnot, and they were going to decrease the amount. And a friend of mine who is the, a Blizzard Northwest rep for those guys said, well, why don't you try some of these and let me know what you think. And and these Austrian-made skis are just, uh, I was blown away. I thought that that's a, it's a really cool tool. And you know, a lot more wood core, uh, metal, metal layups, traditional race-type builds, that have lots of power and, and, and pop. And so I, I, I converted. So for the last two years, I've been running Blizzard Technica and loving it. Very nice to hear. Now, we're talking Northwest. I'm in the Rocky Mountains. Is there a difference between the way different divisions of PSIA ski? You know, I get accused of that. It's, uh, it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm the transition guy, right? So I'm a... I'm a Northwest guy that came from Montana. So when I went from Montana to Northwest, I was accused of having a narrow stance. Um, and then after working through a lot of Northwest snow and, and a lot of more race-oriented stuff, now I come back to Montana and go to Utah and other places, and I get accused of having a wide stance. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think, you know, part of it has to do with, with the environment that you're in and the snow conditions that you're dealing with. Um, the the cold snow in Colorado, Montana, you can you can get a lot of power out of that snow pretty easily. You don't have to to tip the skis real high up on edge, and so you really don't need to open up the stance to be able to make that happen very effectively. You know, you can still get a good performance out of the ski and a great turn. When you start getting a high moisture content uh, spring type snow condition which is a little bit more Oregon, Washington-type snow year-round, then you get a little bit different movement in that, in that media. And the wider, the wider stance is, 
tends to be more effective at being able to get some good results out of the turn that you want. And how do you bring that into the tryout that you have coming up for the PSIA National Demo Team? Well, it's called adaptability, right? <laughs> you, 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 you know, I suspect that because we're going to be there in the, you know, the second half of April, that the conditions are going to be fairly spring-like, uh, but they may be pretty firm in the morning, depending on what's going on, which is traditional. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's really it's what's an effective stance for what it is that you need to have happen. Um, and so if, if we're out there in manky, hollow, mushy snow, uh, you might be narrowing the stance up to get a little bit more of a platform and work stuff, or you might be running a little bit wild your ski to, to, to get the support that you're looking for. And then in the mornings when it's firm and you're needing to get you know an edge in and do some other stuff, you open the stance up to, to allow the the angle that you're looking for to get the performance out of the tool. And just a little bit more about tryouts. What are you doing right now to prepare? Well, so we just got more information on, on that. So we, there's indoor presentations so that we get to do a prepared presentation. Um, and so looking at, at some of that stuff, you know, but this is, it's, it's going to be a challenge. It's a five minute presentation, right? So you have five minutes. Five minutes, yeah. So, I mean, you and I are talking for like 20, 25, 30 minutes, right? Yep. Just five minutes. You, you get you to prepare for a five-minute presentation and maybe three minutes of questions, and then you're done. Um, and then, then the on-snow prep. Uh, so there's uh, presentations there. Again, it's like going to be talking about what is the core belief that you have and going on. And so, really, it's like every... Everything that I'm doing is all, you know, the more that you tie it into what your everyday processes are, I think the more real those presentations are going to be. And so that's where I'm going for this. Is, you know, my core belief has is, is been pretty similar uh, for years and have, have presented different, different methods of working on how to, how to move to the, get the front of the ski to engage and be able to tip it and, and get early shape and what's going on and how that's related to the five fundamentals of, of what PSI has been doing in their technical documentation. Um, and then in the other presentation arena is in the teaching side and, and where we're in the Northwest, we're really focusing on trying to define what is good teaching and what is the equivalent skills concept as far as it comes into the teaching side. And so there's some pretty cool things that we're playing with in there. So it's, it's been I've been developing or working on it for, you know, three or four years. So hopefully it's not going to be too foreign. And rather than nervous, it sounds like you're, you've got a real opportunity here. You're probably more excited. I, I am, you know, I'm pretty stoked to be able to share what it is we've been working on. And, and I see it as a, as a way to bring this stuff out. I mean, yeah, you get nervous because you know, you're, 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 you're under the microscope or in the spotlight. So, and I'm, I'm a, pretty introverted guy personally so it, it, it takes a bit to to go there but yeah so I, I'm pretty I, I am excited to bring out the, some of the stuff that we've been working on and bring it to the national spotlight and and share it with the peers that you know you're, you're, you're out there working with the, the top 40 ski instructors in America uh, during this trial process so it'll be pretty cool and have you made the tryout before 
So I was invited, four years ago I got invited to the tryout, um, where it was a, an invitation process there as well. Uh, that was at Snowbird, and so I made it through that tryout and, and was in the, the middle of the pack, I would guess. Um, my, my ski performance wasn't quite as well as I wanted it to be, and, uh, and there, were, there were better candidates at the time. Uh, and then eight years ago, I was at the tryout prior to that, which was at Mammoth, California. And that one was a large tryout with a ski cut uh, to begin with, and so I made it through three days of that tryout and got cut. So this is competitive because there isn't a lotted number that uh, can be chosen. Are you supportive of each other, though? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you want you want the best to be there, right? And so, and you want everybody. I mean, it's it's as much an educational event for us as it is it is for for sharing and showcasing what you've got. You know, any time that you can get together with with the top trainers uh, across the country and, and be able to share ideas and and that information. If you can't if you can't get something out of that and help other people along with stuff, then what are you there for? And and that's the kind of people that you're going to want to have on a team anyway. People that are supportive of each other. And working to get it. So, yeah, we don't want to be doing any uh, Tanya Harding stuff here. But well, Rick, that was perfect. <laughs> I have nothing to add to a Tanya Harding moment, and uh, I just want to thank you very much for taking the time to visit with us. Always a pleasure chatting with you. I look forward to our next show. George, I really appreciate the time. Thank you very much, and I look forward to being in Colorado soon. Snowbound with Rick Lyons, Boulder, Colorado. I'm George Thomas. ACAST powers some of the world's best podcasts. Here's a show we recommend. I'm Ned Fulmer. And I'm Ariel. We're from the Try Guys, and we have a new podcast called Baby Steps. It's an irreverent parenting podcast because parenting is not perfect. We just had a newborn, baby Finn. I got pooped on. Ariel has pink eye. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> we talk to some experts. We even bring you 4 a.m. thoughts from our garden. Oh my gosh, it's literally 4 a.m. Just to go back here, I thought I got poop in my eye. Yeah. And that causes pink eye. Parenting is a mess. We're a mess. You're a mess. Join us every Sunday. Listen to Baby Steps on ACAST or wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST, 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 ACAST recommends. recommends.